Welcome to Charged Up Studio Live, where small business owners get charged up for success. Are you a small business owner? Do you find yourself struggling through the many responsibilities that come with the title entrepreneur? Well, we're here for you. Charged Up Studio is hosted by Market Academy LLC, your prescription for what we call OPA. What is OPA? It's when you become so overwhelmed with the confusion that comes with business ownership that you become paralyzed and ultimately avoid doing anything in hopes it will take care of itself or you put it off till later. Does that sound familiar? I'm your host, Dan Olivo, and each week we bring a business professional eager to charge you up as they talk about the many things that keep you from moving forward with your small business. So are you ready to get charged up for success? Let's hit it. So welcome back to Charged Up Studio. We bring you insightful conversations with industry leaders and experts. I'm Dana Olivo, your host, and today we're continuing our season five monthly focus on the art of entrepreneurial responsibility for small businesses. As you can hear, I'm just coming off the tail end of a cold virus going around down here in Florida. So I apologize for the frogginess of my voice, but hopefully Nina will be doing most of the talking today. So. <laughs> All right, Dad, I'll do my best. <laughs> so let's get started. So an important part of the responsibility of growing a successful business is understanding who your resources are and how to pull the most out of them. Not only will this benefit you as a business leader, needing to ensure that your employees are giving full out in their respective roles, but it also benefits the employee by providing a sense of accomplishment and a career path for growth. Our guest joining us today has a lifetime of experience in corporate training, and she is an author and a public speaker on elevating team culture. Before we go any further, let me introduce you and give you a warm, charged up weekend, Nina Sam Sunday, all the way from Australia, where it's eight o'clock in the morning and five o'clock here in the evening here in Florida. So we're kind of covering the gamut here. Uh, welcome, Nina. Good day, Dana. Lovely to see you. Lovely to be here. Thanks Good for inviting day. me. I love that. Good day. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a good old Aussie welcome. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. So before we even get started, before all of my podcasts, I always ask my guests one important question so that my, my listeners will get a better understanding of who is talking. So are you ready? Uh, absolutely. Far all away. Right. <laughs> all right. So if you were to go back in time and confront your younger self, what sage advice would you give her and at what age? Well, are you talking about when I first opened my business, which was 30-something years ago? Anytime, anytime. <laughs> Even if it was you were five years old, okay? <laughs> if you had the experience you have now, back then, what would you have taught yourself? 
Well, one of the themes for today is about, you know, hiring people and uh, getting the most out of them. My biggest mistake when I was starting out was inviting friends or friends of friends to work with me instead of doing a proper recruitment, doing an ad and actually in interviewing more than one person. I used to interview one person and go, they'll do. It's like, no, 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 no. You you interview a bunch of people and that bunch of people know that you're interviewing and that another bunch of people. And so you've got that whole element. It's a little element of competition, a little element of if they win the job, they've earned it and they value it more because otherwise you come across as desperate. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, and it's funny that you start out with that and and that's what you recall. It's because of the fact that, you know, I've gone through this process. I've hired family members. I've done this. I've done that, you know, and worst mistake of my life. Absolutely. There's a there's a little um saying, don't hire who you can't fire. Yes. <laughs> and you don't want to ever have to fire anybody. You want them to self-select and leave. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Well, you create a situation where it's project oriented with a finite date. And if you choose to invite them to stay on, that's a choice, but not someone who you actually have to get rid of. And that's I've had to do it a couple of times, and honestly, I would take myself to bed in the afternoon. I was so self-upset, you know, that having to say goodbye to someone, yeah. you know, no, it's absolutely not right. nice. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I do have some questions to pose to you, you know, as we move forward. But before we get started, go ahead and tell me a little bit about your company and how you go about your training of entrepreneurs. How do you, how do you? implement or integrate yourself into this corporate culture? Well, here's the thing. I, uh, my business for the last uh, couple of decades, Brainpower Training in Australia, where I've got uh, facilitators in all the big cities and in Australia, we've only got really six big cities, uh, which means that if we have multiple bookings, I've got someone else I can bring in or I don't have to go to the city myself and people don't have to ask for just Nina Sunday. I've got on my website uh the the uh, you know who we are the team and photographs and which cities they're in so that's business to business but I also have a a new podcast because I've been running this other podcast for three years now manage self lead others which really feeds into that because it's content uh it's an interview uh situation but I can use mini interviews or I can also do solo episodes but I can use mini interviews to uh, as content for my workshops. So I can say, well, before we do the workshop, they will have access to these interviews and the, this content. And the other thing is I can put it in um, proposals and say, here, here I am in action. But I've recently started a new podcast called Micropreneur Accelerator. And it's I, I started a book a couple of years ago called Sending the Elevator Back Down. It's a legacy because I have learned so much. I started in my lounge room with a fax and a telephone before the internet. And then, of course, I uh, got on board with the internet and I'm quite tech savvy because I did spend three years at film and TV school and I did work in television. So I'm not afraid of technology. And it. I just feel that now, I, and also I'm a past chapter president of Professional Speakers Australia, and we get People that come in, they've started their speaking business and their training business, and they just don't 
they're falling into the same dead end mistakes that I did, but I quickly learned and got out of it and managed to survive because a bad dead end mistake, you'll actually go out of business. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And as an entrepreneur, and especially in today's economy after, you know, post COVID and stuff like that, so many things have changed that it's even more important that we're more diligent about, you know, as far as our hiring procedures, you know, how we build that culture within the company, you know, um, all of that. And building culture within the company, you know what? The other thing, the other mistake that I, I I really have fixed is I didn't start the day with a, even a five-minute meeting with everybody because at one point we had about eight people. I we, did, we, we actually started instigating an 11 a.m. meeting, which was around what we call morning tea here in Australia or morning coffee. We'd actually get together. Everybody stop, unless it's a, an emergency sort of all hands on deck sort of day. But most days we would actually stop around 11, bring the, our cup of tea, take it in the conference room and just chat for 10 or 15 minutes. But then I could easily say, when I, when I feel like it's time we all should go back, instead of saying, let's go back, I'd say mini meeting. And then we just discuss whatever we needed to discuss that day. And that really did turn around the business. And But I had been in business for at least 10 years before I learned that. And in that in that, in the early days, people would just go up one by one, get their coffee at the kitchenette, take it back to their desk. And there was none, none of that camaraderie that developed out of that morning coffee, morning uh, cup of tea uh, collective yeah. or collaborative and boils, environment. And it boils down to what we call inclusion. It boils down Absolutely. to See, that's the part of a team. Yes. And belonging. We they talk yes. about DEIB, de- diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging now. Yes. B for belonging. Yes. yes. Exactly. Exactly. So um in the past when I've been in this position where you know I've had to hire people, you know, or interview people and things like that. There's a big difference between what shows up on paper and face-to-face. And I've yep. often said, you know, I've often commented on the fact that if we could get resumes as videos as opposed to in paper or both, okay, that would cut down the process of hiring so much, yeah. so much more than what we go through right now. Because that- well, I've saved myself a bit of a uh, bit of trauma when I did the. It was a, I was looking for a full time salesperson. This is before I kind of worked out a different process altogether. So I'm looking back in those first ten or twelve years where I I just did what everybody else did, and then I got smart and did something different. Right. But I remember I nearly was about to hire the person. Uh, for a sa- full time sales role, so that's a significant commitment, especially for sales. Uh, as- yeah. And then w- it was fortunate that the office was, there was a coffee shop down below. So I said, let's go for coffee. And because that person thought they had the job, they opened up about how their car was about to be repossessed, how their wife was about to divorce them, how how they had this illness, blah, blah, blah. And I went, well, it's not even the illness was the problem. It was all this other stress, trauma and disorder in their life. I went, I'd be... When you hire someone, it's almost a mini marriage. Yeah. I don't want that in my life. 
So I said, thank you very much. We'll let you know how it goes. And then I kept recruiting. And you, you it, it went into the little, the hole, the trash can under your desk. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's, it's it's having that relaxed conversation. Now, of course, you could actually do that on a separate occasion, invite them in for a second interview or a second conversation. Right. Uh, and just call it just a conversation. And honestly, that uh, they, they are relaxed and they think they can trust you, but they're forgetting that you're still the employer, you're still deciding yeah. whether uh, they're good. And what, what did someone say? If, if the... Um, if the engagement is rocky, beware the marriage. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And yeah, when you when you, when you hire it. someone, it can well we have we have laws in Australia that protect the employee, and this like a unfair dismissal laws right. and things like that, and giving warnings. So you have to be so careful that you get the right person and not hire fast. And I'll give you a little a little story. I see. I went against my intuition once. A woman, this was in the days when I used to just have one-on-one interviews because now I do group interviews and that makes, I can meet a lot of people quickly and make and see them how they interact with others as well. But I remember um, she was sitting out in the car park in way, because it was early. And I went, oh, that's nice. She's come early and she hasn't arrived yet. She's coming at the right time. But my gut said, I don't think she'll be right, right? But I ignored my gut and hired her. Two weeks into it, my I realised my gut was right. I had a conversation with her and I did the, how are you going? I don't get the feeling that you're completely happy here. You're not really happy here, are you? And she kind of sat up in a chair as if to say, oh, yes, I am. And then she sat back and slumped and said, yes, Nina, you're right. I said, well, you know what to do, don't you? And that was it. I went, oh, my goodness. I that dodged was the a- easiest firing you ever did, huh? <laughs> and you know what she said to me? She said, I wanted to leave, but my husband said I can't because we need the money. Oh, uh-huh. my gosh. Oh, my So I, I just did it through the back door. I just... My intuition told me to say this. I didn't read it in a book. See, I, I, and now I, if I get a gut feel against somebody, I just go with that. It's right. like your gut knows. Right, right. No, no, you know, it's, you know, and it's true, you know, what you were saying, you know, the difference between work and marriage, you know, my husband jokes about, <laughs> jokes around about his, his work wife or his work husband, you know, and stuff like that, because when you're in that environment, it is another relationship. Okay. And a lot of times that personal and that business crossover and you well, open I, yourself up for criticism. Well, yeah. And, and I, in, in, in my defense and in, in, in defense of having full-time people that stay for years, my first office manager, I, well, it was an admin assistant who stayed for seven years and was there while I had put on staff. So she became an office manager, admin support and operations support. And then my next one stayed 17 years. But now, because I've actually taken a step back, I've moved back to my hometown. It's a lifestyle business now, not a seven-figure growing business. I just made that decision at some point, before, way before COVID. Yeah. Um because I, I knew ultimately that I wanted to move back to my hometown in another state. 
because I like the weather better here in Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney's great, but Brisbane is better. Yeah. But um, it's a bit like Florida, but you know, a bit humid in summer, but the rest of the time it's fabulous and a short winter. Right. But, um, it's a lifestyle business, but um, oh, now I've gone off track and I've forgotten what I was going to say, but it'll come back to me. Yeah. We were- yeah. <laughs> no, we were talking about, you know, the, the fact of, you know, when you have to hire and fire, fire oh, people. Yes. That's right. So now that it's a lifestyle business, I... I am pretty well solely hiring college or what we call university students at, for internships, and I got on that track in 2009, and I've never never got off it because now even though uh, I've actually brought the business into my home, I don't have a big, big office, separate office anymore. I had a separate office for at least 20 years. But right. when I did the lifestyle business, I got a house big enough that uh, could have an intern office, a Zoom room, and my own office. Um, they 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 get they come on board for a hundred hours or thirteen days. But if I like them, this is paid internships. If I right. like them, I can pay them to stay on. Yeah. But they will graduate and they will leave, and that is a good thing because even though I have separation anxiety or separation sadness when a good one leaves, the next one comes, and they're fabulous too in a different way. So right. I've had this steady stream of wonderful future captains of industry, future doctors, future lawyers, future uh, creative directors of advertising agencies. They've gone on to really incredible bigger and better things and I've had the best of their brains with my guidance and my mentoring um for the period that they were here I mean uh even before COVID and during COVID we had a bit of government support I had an intern who was three days a week but then she graduated now on the basis of the internship that she's been able to put on LinkedIn that she was a brain power training intern she gets shortlisted for just about every job she goes to, I'm her referee. I'll give them such a good wrap up that they definitely get the job. <laughs> so right. it's a win-win because yeah. I'm getting the best cream, the people with the best brains right. for a short time. No, you're and absolutely right. Yep. And and absolutely. some employers think, oh, well, they're going to leave. No, you're, they can, they can, uh, on board the next person. Yeah. You, you if if you have some because there's another ever repeating source of uh of talent uh for, for working is what what we call in Australia the gap year. And I did a little bit of research. It's not that common in the United States. Only three percent of students who finish high school take what's called a gap year, where they might work for six months and travel six months or even work real world for a year before they go to, to college or university. But in Australia, when I started doing, when I started realising the gap year was a thing, that was 2009, 17% of all high school students were looking for a gap year placement, a paid job. And I had wonderful students. I would have one person who was the gap year student who would do four days a week. They wanted their fifth day for their own portfolio project. And I each year I had the most amazing person, but they mm-hmm. left. And there's a thing that Charles Handy, who's one of the top thinkers in the world, he's still alive. He's a 90-year-old living in London. He, he's second only to Peter Drucker. 
So in the great thinkers of management, there's Peter Drucker, number one, Charles Handy, number two. I read his book, The The Empty Raincoat. He talks about the sigmoid curve. It's an S-curve. And when people start, they're all enthusiastic. Let's say the cycle is a year. So the first year they're excited, you're giving them input, you're teaching them, they're doing a great job, and then they do the job and you go, oh, I can leave them alone now. So they plateau and then they actually can, if you ignore them, start to demotivate. And so what Charles Handy said is you have to start a second curve. And so I've actually learned things like that gap year student uh, it was, once again, I listened to my intuition. I went, well, what can I do in the morning meeting today? Uh, we, I have the flip chart and the conference room. And I said, let's identify all your regular tasks and let's identify the ones you like doing. And if there's any that you dislike, because we had multiple people as well. And uh, we had, you know, one person that came in one day a week that did the workbooks and the and the packing, you know, that would go out to the different states. And we had the office manager and she was school hours. So anyway, with this uh, gap year student, we mar- marked up. And interestingly, she said, oh, yes, the three, the three tasks I don't like are these. I said, really, I would never have guessed, but thanks for telling me. Let's see if we can shuffle it around, rotate and swap that with what someone else is doing. And that was so such an easy fix. Yeah. yeah. And it was nothing more than making it more pleasant. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, I work with interns all the time. You know, all the time I work with interns. And and, and exactly what you said, they bring a perspective that reaches a mass that I can't because I didn't grow up in this era. Okay, when you talk about the Gen Xs, Gen Ys, Gen Zs, all of these individuals Okay, the uh, it's difficult to reach them, except by incorporating the mindset of somebody who is right there with them. You know, absolutely. And yes. and I'm telling you, you know, when I respond to RFPs for marketing or anything like that, first people I'll bring in are my interns because they come up with some brilliant, brilliant, outrageous ideas, but they're things that. They're things that work. They're things that work. I've got a, yeah, I've got a software programmer who has worked with me since um, about six months before COVID kicked in. And he started working with me uh, because I developed a a database. And this database needed programming. I'm not a programmer. And And he's a high school intern. He was a high school intern at the time. And I hired him and he went in and it was him and two other interns. All right. But once COVID kicked in, two of them dropped out and he called me back and he said, can I continue working on this project through COVID? And I said, absolutely. You know, and he continued working. And what I told him, I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to credit you as the programmer on this database. That's right. Yeah. Because it gives them a leg yeah. up. It gives them it gives them something to put on their CV that makes them stand that out. Was, in the- and that got him into the college that he wanted to get into, you mm-hmm. know, and things like that. So, you know, there's things that we can do as business owners that are going to lift them up and give them the experience that they need so that they can continue on with their careers. 
the number of times I'm in a, a corporate training situation and then the team will might might say, oh, we're under-resourced. We don't, we don't have enough staff and they won't hire anyone. And then I try and get the manager on side and say, you know, you could hire a temporary intern that just does casual one day a week and they can do a really good job, but they don't have to stay forever. So, you know, you just put it, you make the agreement, it's for 30 days or whatever. But these big companies, they, they're so stuck on, oh, we have to hire a full-time person and we haven't got the budget for a full-time person, so we hire no one. And I go, not not opening your eyes to what's possible. That's exactly it. If you can't look at the situation in a positive manner, you're never going to be able to, to dig yourself out of the hole. So with that being said, okay, with COVID, and with the change in the economic situation, as far as hiring and, and you know and culture and things like that, what do you see the trends that are happening out there that some of our audience members might want to tap into to, to help them in this process? Well, can you be more clear about trend, which trends? Well, I mean, you know, a perfect example is what I had talked about earlier, okay? What is it to say that instead of a paper resume or along with oh. their paper resume, they include, say, a five-minute introductory video? And they you know what? that. You, you can do that. Do you know, once I had, because um, when I, I now do Zoom interviews because it's so, so much easier. And if they do want to come here uh, and see the place first, they, they can. But I actually have photographs of their office and my office. So it's in, in as like I do a Zoom and I do a slideshow and I, I try and win their hearts and minds with, you know, who, who we are and where we're headed and our vision, et cetera, and, their, and the role. But um, I remember giving a task to some interns. It was when I was creating my emotional intelligence course, I went, I'll get them to come in and do five, a five-minute talk on emotional intelligence. And I got I got a little bit of content for free <laughs> that got me started on developing this course because I thought they might come up with an angle that I won't find myself. True. So and that was right. That was a task I gave them, That's a five-minute pres verbal presentation on emotional intelligence because they would be working in the in that area. Yeah. Um, but in terms of trends, I don't know if it's a trend. It's something that I do and it's something I'm promoting. It's doing group interviews. Now, whether that was my next question, yeah whether in person, at your office, or over Zoom. And I'll go back to the early days of doing the in-person group ones. I remember we wanted a uh, an event coordinator, right? And this is when we had the big separate office. And I, we, we actually just put them put the chairs in between the workstations, right? I, d I didn't have a big conference room in those uh, in that particular office. Um, and this one person stood out. She didn't over, wasn't overbearing or domineering, but she was verbal enough and was insightful enough. I would ask questions and get people. I, try, I conducted it like a training course. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, you know, and I'd, I'd say, well, you know, who knows what B2B marketing is, uh, blah, blah. But she, she waited her turn and didn't kind of, uh, answer every question first and what's b2c and what does seo stand for these are sort of things you'll learn in this role and i remember that person 
was with us for several years, was my right-hand person, and she's still a friend. She's in another city. We catch up from time to time. And there, she just left because she fell in love and had to move to the new city. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There are some, some people that you do want uh, that, but the thing is I chose her because she stood out overall. The other thing is definitely do some sort of a psychometric attest, uh, assessment. When I had six workstations, I could invite six uh, possible interns come in and I would sit them at the workstation as a start and say, do this uh, Myers-Briggs type indicator questionnaire. And then I'd say, do this um, disc questionnaire. These were a couple of freebies on the, on the net. And then uh, copy it and email it to yourself and then we'll, we'll print it off and we'll have a look at it. Because I, I believe that you need to know yeah. the patterns of behaviour and preferences of the people you're hiring so that you match the role with the right profile. Right. And there's not to say there's any right or wrong profile, but there can be a wrong profile for a job description. So, or if you get a real detailed person to do something that you want quick, fast, uh, uh, bottom line stuff. Well, you you want in disc you do high D high direct uh, person, not a high compliance who goes into the detail. So it's this whole idea of you want a big picture person or a detailed person. Do you want an introvert or an extrovert? By the way, with my ad uh, operations support person, I frequently get an in- introvert because one they're low maintenance. Yeah. You don't want them so introvert that they say nothing, but often they're deep thinkers. And I've had great success with not to, doing the the person that, that sounds like she's going to be a lot of fun. And it's yeah. like, hang on. And then I hired the introvert and I went, that was the, that was the right decision. Do you know once, once yeah. I was hiring a gap year student, I hired the one person that wore a suit to the interview because a couple looked like they were Bob Dylan. Oh wow! And I went. I'm hiring the one with the suit. He was fabulous. He worked for a year. Uh, he went on to medicine. He's now a very fine doctor. And also, what we used to do the the well, I had a couple of interns at any one time in those days. I now I only have one. I have three at a time. They each do a different day. Right. <laughs> right. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. There's a there's a there's a pre medicine medical exam. I think it's called. SMAT in America. We call it UMAT here. But it's it's really an IQ test where you have to do all the patterns. And then if if A is this and B is this and C is this, what is D? And that you have to choose the right. We used to practice that at morning tea. Right. And uh, it was, I think it was brain training. It was really good fun. <laughs> yeah. No, my granddaughter is doing that now. So yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> that's uh, right. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, and I, I wanted to say, once you do that group Zoom, I just want to share this one little trick that I learned oh, 23 years ago, which is you do what will save you time is you not saying, we will advise you if you've got the job. Uh-uh. That's a lot of work, right? Because you have to advise everybody and you have to send them the sorry email, right? And they may not even want the job. So what you want to do is you say, uh, SMS me in two days' time if you would like to take the next step. Yeah. And then you keep, I keep a list of who, well, it's on my phone as well, who SMSed at what time. And if they don't SMS, they don't want the job. 
Yeah. And any time I've look, I've done I've done mistakes as well. I've done trial and error with everything that I've done. Once there was someone I had my heart set on, I chased him up and I said, Oh, you didn't SMS. Uh, did you want the job? Oh, 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 oh yeah. Oh, I forgot. Oh, yeah, I want it. He lasted six weeks. He went back to the sur- surfing surfboard warehouse where he felt more comfortable than working with majority women in my office. Right. So right. he said yes because I chased him up. And then do you know who I went with? The person that's SMSed me at 9.02 a.m. Turns out she was a graduate, but she didn't want a corporate job because she had a bo- uh, a boyfriend or a fiancé overseas that she had to travel to and from and there was flexibility in the role right. so that suited her she stayed at stayed 18 months I was right. sad when she left you know but that's all right you yeah. replace it with someone else in group interviews like that how did you how do you manage or how do you how do you respond to different personalities in the same environment now okay. are we talking about the zoom or in person. If it's Zoom or in person. You said yeah, well, you like doing group ones. So yes, yes. Well, let's start with I now move to Zoom. Since COVID, Zoom has become like what we do. It's right. what we do. So I reckon that's the trend. It saves it saves people that you may not want to work for you being in your office, you know. So you if you want them to see the office before you make a decision, you can always do a one-on-one interview with your shortlisted candidate. But right. see. What you want is this element of competition so they don't feel like, oh, you know, they really need me. Uh, You know, without me, they would be nothing. And that was a problem I had with salespeople that I no longer have because if I'm going to uh, hire a full-time or part-time salesperson, they have quite a high ego, the good ones. And I did have one for a couple of years that thought she was so good that she was nothing without, I was nothing without her. Right. Uh, And then she became stroppy and hard and, you know, it was time for her to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, we had to wait for her to self-select to go because she was still making sales. But um, managing the group, I tell you what I do. I tell them ahead of time what we're going to do. I'm going to have a slideshow. I'm going to show you about our company, what we do, and then I'll have some questions for you to answer in the chat. And remember, this is a uh, a collaborative environment, so I say that. This is not a competition because the right person will know that yeah. they're the right person and I will know they're the right person. And just because you're here tonight, it means that we like you, we want to get to know you, but for whatever reason, we might like you, but you may not, this may not be exactly what you're looking for. You might have a different picture in your mind of what the role will be. So I just have simple little questions that are based on what they will learn. Now I've used this for hiring facilitators as well. Now a facilitator is a trainer, but they have to audition. So I will get them to prepare a five minute presentation on a, a a choice of of topics, and we've got twelve topics that we deliver. So, and it's been interesting because you see people, especially with trainers, they can look fabulous on paper, yeah. But when they deliver, they they're they're either too loud, or or too telling, or their language is wrong. You must do this, and you must do that, right. or they they're too weird, like tell weird stories that you go, oh, that's. 
you're not a corporate trainer. That's not appropriate in front yes, of a corporate group. Exactly. You can't represent brain power training. I wouldn't say that. That's what I'm no, thinking. No, no so definitely. I can use it for just about any role. And it what it but what I'll do is I might in if I don't only have two or three goodies, I might invite the next tier person to give them a chance and experience, but I know I'm not going to hire them because I want the good people to think I'm one of many people. I have to be on my best behavior here. You want them to think that they've earned the right to work here and that to be invited to take the role, they've won the role, they've they've achieved something. It's a milestone. So right. because if you interview one-on-one and don't, ta- like even when I did do one-on-one, I used to have a folder of all the CVs that I'd received via our uh, preferred um, website here in Australia. And I'd say, oh, I had a bunch of CVs, uh, you know, 60 CVs. I've shortlisted 20 and uh, I mean, I'm talking with you today. So even if you can't do the group for whatever reason, Make right. sure you let them know there's a bunch of other people down on the, you know, in the, in the line. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, but you know, you've got these, you've got some individuals that will be um, kind of like gun shy or um, uh, feel intimidated. If somebody speaks up, they could, it, they could look at it as a learning experience. Okay. But they could also look at it as, uh, they can get beaten down by it. It's, it's a personality thing. How do you uh, how do you differentiate among that? Well, I, I, I hear you when you say that, Dana, but um, what I'll do is I'll ask a question, and, and actually it could be something as simple as what's one thing that appeals to you about the role? And then I'll say I'll just go around my screen and, and I'll call them by name, one by one. What's one? And if someone says something that appeals to you, then pick something else to say. Now, wow. if they can't tell me something that appeals to them about the role, and if someone, if they have to say, oh, Jane said what I was going to say, if they can't find something else to say, I'm sorry, they're not creative thinkers enough for, to, to, to win the job. So, and you're, you're right. You're right. You know, and I find myself being, uh, sometimes sympathetic to these people because who knows what happened in their past that, you know, that, that built that, you know, that, but at the same time you, and I'm sure you'll agree with me. That's not your concern when you're hiring somebody. Well, I've had someone reveal to me just through what they, what their stories were that they had depression. And I'm sorry, I feel sad for you, right. but I don't, and I don't want to work with somebody closely. I'm, right. I'm not. A, I'm a flat, structured, small business. If you've got a big organisation, um, then maybe you can take someone on that has a disability. It's a disability, depending right. on the degree. Right. Um, but, you know, when you're in a small business and if it's a home business, um, then you actually have to be... You want the best person that's going to uplift you on on your bad days. And that, you, know, you don't want to be. And this is where my very first employee used to mention her illness. She worked three days a week for a year. She mentioned her illness three days a week for a year. Every day she was there. And I remember saying to her once, 
I'll just make up a name, Mary. Do you, th- do you think one day you could, we could have, you could work here and not mention your illness? You should see her hit the roof. Oh, my goodness. Steve came out of her ears. But you know what? I'm glad I said it because yeah. that's called compassion fatigue. It's yeah. like stop telling me every day you've got this illness. Well, enough and, is and, enough. And, and compassion is one thing, but no, taking advantage of that for sympathy. Ah, oh, yes. You know, to, yes. To, to gain those sympathy points. After a while, it's like crying wolf. You know, after a while... Right. Yeah. But that was that was my very first employee and it was an error because she uh we taught speed reading in those days. We were speed reading for the first 10 years. I'd like to do your speed reading course and I'm a telemarketer and how about we swap some hours and I do your course. That was great. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. I've done that from time to time. Like I got a piece of furniture made in in exchange for doing the course or a piece of art. But she said hours. And then at the end of the time, she said, now that I've proven I can do the job, will you pay me? And because she was she was there. She was there. But, you know, and this is where I want to say my biggest mistake was hiring a salesperson when I was a salesperson. Because do you yeah. know what my job was? I couldn't sell when she was selling because she was actually quite loud and it was one room, right, yeah. although there was multiple spaces in the room. It was like open space. And um, I ended up being the admin person. And then when it came time for her to finish the role, which it it happened, um, I then decided that that was such a big mistake right. when I can do sales. Because I had this idea, well, it's better to have somebody, not me, selling me. No. No. Better no. to have you selling you. If you've only got one other employee Give them admin, give them operations, delegate everything that, delegate bookkeeping, everything. You sell, you can sell yourself. It's your passion that is your business. You're going to be the best salesperson for your own business. Yeah. I I I don't farm out sales at all when it comes to my business because nobody can match my passion. Nobody can, can relate to what it is that we're bringing to the table. The way and I, you know every inch of every answer to every any tricky question. Right. Whereas uh, someone that's working part time, you know, they, they they just don't have the uh, the the context. Yeah. yeah. That's the difference between service selling and product selling. Okay. Products. You go into a retail yes. store and stuff. You've got a you've got something you can show them that you can sell. That's right. Okay. But when you're talking service. When you're talking, you know, what you do, what I do, which is more service-based, even though we productize it, it's based on our knowledge base and our experience. That's where it's difficult for anybody else to sell what it is that is us. When you think well, of that's it, right. and it is us. There's a lovely book called Selling the Invisible that I read years ago. So that, well, that was a big help. Yeah. And also the other thing is when I actually did have a team of uh, five full-time salespeople, because we were seven figures at one point, yeah. um, we w- there's a thing in, in innovation called uh, building the plane while flying the plane. And we'd, I, I had actually taken on a business investor, angel investor at that point. And so he helped me grow the business, which was great. And uh, we decided that, 
I had done the the initial adding extra extra uh, topics other than speed reading, time management, business writing, commun- uh, li- uh, uh, customer service, and then we decided to add a, a whole re- bevy of of topics. And so I remember with negotiation in particular, I researched the topic, created the outline, and then suggested to my salespeople that they sell this outline. But they kept saying, well, how can we sell it if you've never run it? Well, if someone books it and they want it in two weeks' time, we can't do it. Right. Because I'll need because in our business, normally they book you at least a month ahead. I can create a workbook and a slideshow with a month's notice, not with two weeks notice, but with a month. So look at all the other courses we've created, but they seem to be fixed on, it doesn't exist. So how can we sell it? So, but instead of me getting impatient with them, I should have spent a lot more time in educating them. And I was not perfect in the early days. And that's exactly (laughs) it. You know, you know, especially when we talk training and coaching, you know, in, in these programs that we're doing, the best way to approach this is to pre-sell it before it's even developed because that's how you determine how much interest there's going to be. Absolutely. I've got a yeah. course called Continuous Improvement. No one wants it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but anyway. but, I've, but I've, I've got accredited in design thinking, which is continuous improvement, and now they want it. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, but anyway. Okay. So we're coming up on the end of another episode of Charged Up Studio. And thank you, Nina. We can keep going with this conversation. There's so many anecdotes and things like that that we could come up with as far as experiences. But when it comes... One little thing that hasn't come up is is hiring VAs. Oh, yeah. Let's have faith on that. Because I'm getting ready to hire a VA. Right. Well, it just depends. Because I get approached on... LinkedIn all the time. Do you want a VA? Do you want a VA? And I tell you where the best VAs are. Upwork.com. Yeah. Right. Because it's a it's a third party website. It that was the early Elance and guru.com. And then it uh I think it was something else. And now it's it's been upwork.com. I've hired a WordPress um uh developer to develop a website for me through Upwork. I've had uh, a VA do some SEO on Google Ads for me. But the thing is, when they don't do a fantastic job, you've made it a project, you don't have to keep hiring them. No. And I, I just don't want to get too involved with one company or one VA that, I mean, there are companies that will actually charge you a monthly fee to have a full-time VA. I would rather have someone in person in my office for that sort of money, but for pro- specific projects that are digital, that can be done remotely, if I want somebody for that, maybe Photoshop something or yeah. uh, like I did that for uh, for this, um, for my word, uh, for my podcast uh, yeah. uh, logo. I actually went through Fiverr.com. That's good too, uh, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. I use Fiverr quite, quite a bit. Yeah. I use Fiverr and I use Upwork. Um, Fiverr, you know, you do get to a point where you find somebody, same thing with Upwork, you know. Yeah. You find somebody and you stick with them. Yes. You stick with them. The, I mean, my my podcasts are all edited by one person on Fiverr. And she knows yeah. every week 
I'm going to have it. She knows it airs on there every Tuesday and she gets it to me. She wraps it. She does everything that needs to be done. I don't That's have to do anything but send it over to her, you know. That is um, great. That is you know, great. So that that is one way to get that help that we need as small business owners without having to hire somebody. Yeah. So there's that magic mix. I think it can't replace the 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 occasional intern look if you start with one day a week and you you call it a hundred hours they're finished in thirteen days I've I've never really made a mistake but there have been some interns where their time finished and I went ah oh, I'm glad it's over but nine times out of ten I go oh they're gone and then the next person arrives and they're fabulous so mm-hmm. I think there's a magic mix that you, you use the remote VAs when you need them and go through a third-party website because especially with Upwork, they have, like with my web developer that I found, uh, I used him off and on for five years. Right. Uh, we've sort of moved to a different hosting situation now. Um, but the thing with Upwork is there's a diary and they take the payment in escrow and you've got that um, arm's length. And I just want to start with a little story, which is working alone is not a good thing. Everybody, there's the movie called Castaway with Tom Hanks, where he finds the the ball floating in the water and he paints a picture on it and he calls it Wilson. It's a face. And he talks to Wilson. I reckon every solopreneur needs a Wilson. So, and a person in person. (laughs) <laughs> and that's why interns or gap or gap year stu- student or temporary stu- person uh, really can be that Wilson for you. And True. you don't know the personality till they're there. And you'll get better at hiring people if you get good at hiring your first Wilson. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, and in today's economy, you know, this is where, you know, these this gig economy is what's really supporting the small businesses out there, you know, um, as far as that's concerned. So, so anyway, yeah. So we are coming up on the end of charged up studio. And once again, thank you, Nina, for, uh, shedding light on, you know, what, you know, what are the important things when it comes to hiring the right people and training the right people. So that's going to benefit us as well as our employees, you know, and when to decide, whether we go virtual, you know, through yeah. third party or we, we do, you know, some direct hiring. So anyway, uh, how can our listeners reach you should they want to? Well, I've definitely got my speaker site, ninasunday.com. And if you want to see all my corporate work, it's brainpowertraining.com.au. But for my new uh, podcast, we'll be creating a web page for that at micropreneur dot com dot au dot au is for australia but i i i work globally i work on zoom i'm a certified virtual presenter as well as a uh certified speaking presenter so i'll be i'll be doing coaching i'll be doing uh, a retreat so get in touch if you are a solopreneur or a micropreneur wanting to grow because we're going to be creating a cohort of of people uh that uh either zoom in through uh through Zoom or face to face in Australia, and uh, I'll be help- I'll be sending the elevator elevator back down 
doing legacy work to help pe uplift people uh, from solopreneur to micropreneur and beyond. Excellent. Excellent. No, I'm looking forward to it. So that concludes our podcast for today. And please leave a review on any of the streaming platforms you're listening to us on right now, or go to our Charged Up Studio Facebook page and leave a review there. Charged Up Studio is a product of Marketatomy LLC and Marketatomy Academy, the e-learning system designed specifically with the micro business owner in mind. For more information and to register for any of our classes with Marketatomy Academy, go to M-A-R-K-E-T-A-T-O-M-Y dot academy. And until next week, where we bring you another exciting guest, this is Dana Olivo signing off and go out and have a charged up week. Talk to you later. You've been listening to Charged Up Studio Live, the podcast with you, the small business owner in mind, with your host, Dana Olivo. Join us every Tuesday as we bring you valuable tips and insights into many of the topics you don't know you don't know about growing a successful business. Please leave us a review on any of the streaming platforms you are listening to or visit us on the YouTube or Facebook page and leave a review or subscribe so you don't miss another episode. You can also support us through Patreon by visiting our website, chargedupstudio.live and click on the Patreon link. Until next week, go out and have a charged up week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.